Hi everyone, welcome to Better Homes and Dungeons. This week, we discuss how to introduce people to the hobby, why the right supplement can play a critical role in bringing them in. And if anyone could see James's reaction to that, they... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't want to. I didn't want to step on if there was more, but that was no. uh, that was a good pun. That was great. I, I don't. I think people would prefer if there was a lot less. Um, <laughs> well, then anyways, they are fools, um, sir. Fools. <laughs> thank you, thank you, um, James. Thank you very, very much for coming on. Like I, I feel like this has been. You have nailed this whole theme of the idea of this year being twenty twenty, in that. On, and sorry, uh, for people who don't know, I'm speaking to James in Jacasso. I do apologize. James. Um, Hi, everyone. <laughs> what, what, who are you and what do you do? Uh, so my name is James Intricasso. I'm a podcaster, a blogger, and a game designer uh, professionally. Uh, I'm lucky enough to do this more or less full time. So, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's what I do. And um, having played some of the stuff that you've worked on um, and... Uh, I I can say that this was this for me is very very much along the lines of you know things that are a dream come true that I get to speak to someone who has contributed to many things that I very much love, so thank you. Oh wow, thank you, thank you. I, I feel the same way uh, that uh, I get to uh, talk about games with people and everything. This is a, a lot of fun. So thank you for the the kind words. Yeah, I've worked on. Um, uh, I guess people would probably know me most for my Wizards of the Coast work. Uh, uh, most recently, Baldur's Gate: Descent into Avernus, uh, Eberron Rising from the Last War, Dragon Heist, uh, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, uh, and now, of course, the uh, Wild Mount campaign setting, the Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount. I is the official name of the book so yeah i i wild mount was the alternative for a terrible pun but i thought no i'll play this one safer <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a deep cut i think uh yeah. for for some people yeah yeah definitely that's great excellent so um james I, as i was saying before i mean you you seem to have embraced this uh year um a lot of people saying you know it's 2020 you know with <laughs> let's start with you know let's have crit successes so far this year, yeah, it, it looks like it is going that way for you. I mean, um, <laughs> the the Wild Amount book has taken off. I, I did read somewhere that Greg Tito had said this has been the most successful pre-order of, of any book we've ever had. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And Cobalt Press, uh, the Tome of Beasts 2, I believe. Yes, yes, yeah. I have about 30, 30 creatures among the 400 or so that are going to be in that book as well. Um, and that is on Kickstarter right now and is doing uh, better than anyone's wildest dreams, I think is, is probably a good way to put it. <laughs> I think that's a very good way to put it. I think last I looked, it was like at $420,000 Australian, which oh, I know wow. is not a lot American. Are we allowed to ask about any of those monsters? Yeah, yeah. So I can share some of them because they're uh, they're in the video. Um, oh. So uh, the the monsters that I created uh, the the way Cobalt Press works is really very fun and interesting. So. Wolfgang, uh, I also wrote up for the Creature Codex, which is another big book of monsters that they've put out. Can, um, I, can I just ask briefly, is that the one with the cool robot dragon or is that Tome of Beasts? Uh, so the Creature Codex has the, the clockwork dragon. Is that the one you're yes. thinking of? So I actually wrote that one for the Creature Codex. Did you? Uh, yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, along with, Sorry, you know, it, it goes through development and playtesting. Yeah. I yeah. love that thing. 
Oh, thank you. Thank you so Sorry, much. Yeah, there's two versions. One, uh, there's the Clockwork Dragon, and the three-headed Clockwork Dragon is also in there, um, which was a lot of fun to uh, to work on. So, uh, okay. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Have I'm you used it in glad. your game? Uh, almost. Um, oh. I, I'm running a, um, a Curse of Strahd variant, except he's a railway baron, and so there are trains. And... So, yes, it's going to make an appearance in that campaign. But now that I know there's one with three heads, well. <laughs> I, how did a railway baron end up in Curse of Strahd? I have to know. That sounds amazing. <laughs> I, someone sent a tweet out saying, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if Strahd was a railway baron or if it was like a <laughs> steampunk variant adventure? And for some odd reason, my brain said, yes. Yes, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then it did that very irritating thing it does sometimes where it's like, Josh, spend the next two hours writing about that. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> oh, I know that feeling very well. I know that feeling very well. So, um, yes, yeah, exactly. That's uh, so the the Clockwork Dragon, uh, which is in the Creature Codex. Uh, so yeah, so I worked on that, and the the process for that for that is that um, Wolfgang has a list of monsters. Wolfgang Bauer, who runs Cobalt Press, um, has a list of monsters that he will send out, and he'll say, hey. Here are here's like a list of monsters with a challenge rating. I've kind of thought about um, and it, you basically just get the title of the monster and the challenge rating. Do you want to take one of these or feel free to pitch me monsters? Um, and for Creature Codex, I had done about half and half uh, for this one. I they were all monsters that I pitched. Uh, and also because Wolfgang <laughs> wasn't really sending around a list. He's he's made a bunch of big monster books now. I think he's looking for a lot of ideas. Um, so if you watch the video, there's a few that are mine uh, that that pop up. Um, the Angelic Enforcer is there, uh, which is this big lion headed kind of angel looking guy with a flaming uh, sword. Um, and their whole deal is they're the angels who hunt down fallen angels uh, and angels who like need to be brought in for questioning because maybe they spent too much time on the mortal world helping adventurers, you know, that kind uh, of thing. I assume they get some kind of uh, bonus to their stealth roll. <laughs> uh, I think that is the case. They also... Um, because no one expects the Angelic Inquisition. Uh, <laughs> darn it. You got me again. You got so, me again. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a bad person. <laughs> no, no. You're a good person. Uh, that's what's great about this. Um, uh, the zombie dragon is mine, which is more than just like uh, typical zombie stats applied to the dragon. Uh, the death vulture... The uh, dragon flesh golem, uh, the Sasquatch actually is something I got to stat out um, and the Wraith bear. Uh, so all those are mentioned in the video. So I can I can sort of touch briefly on those and say that I worked on them. And then also anything that's in uh, a bunch of the monsters from Tales of the Old Margrave, which is a Cobalt Press adventure that came out that has a bunch of new monsters. Uh, yes. I think those are also going to be... So Wraith Bear is one of those, will also be in Tome of Beasts 2. So if people oh, cool. didn't buy that adventure, they'll be able to get those creatures. Uh, and don't worry, you're more than getting your money's worth uh, because it's a handful of creatures among uh, totally original ones that will be also in the I, Tome of Beasts I would 2. say so. I... 
I, I got myself a copy of the Margrave um, when it was on Kickstarter, and my God, it's good stuff. <laughs> it's a great it's adventure. It's really lovely, yes. What, yeah. what were your uh, monster contributions to that one, if I may? So, yes, my monster contributions uh, were... Let me see. I'm going to pull them up. So I can tell you the Wraith Bear was uh, in there, and then... I've done some other things. Uh, I know that I did uh, the... Uh, oh, here we go. This is even better. Creatures. I, I also want to say to the um, the people I'm currently running through the Margrave uh, with one of the podcast things that I do, y'all turn off now. <laughs> That's right. Yes, everybody, please uh, turn on. <laughs> so one of the things, right, is I have to open my documents here because um, a lot of this stuff gets written sometimes a year or more in advance. Um, oh, and so okay. uh, Margrave came out last year, right? But I had written stuff yeah. before that. Uh, so it's uh, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, let me go back here and let me look. Uh, I have this whole thing about monsters and uh, okay, here we go. Uh, so the bulbous violet is one of mine. Um, it's this, uh, uh, yeah, the lunar kidna uh, is mine. Uh, that sounds a, cool. Yeah, so that is a creature that um, uh, sort of becomes more powerful with the cycles of the moon um, and has some spider-like tendencies. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, the storm boar. Uh, was one of mine. Uh, let's see the tree tree skinner. Um, so several of these. The, the lunar kidna also sounds like a um some some kind of were echidna type of. It creature. does sound and, like a were echidna, right? <laughs> and given that the the margrave has got the erina, which are like a small hedgehog people. That, that, that would have been great to see, but... <laughs> <laughs> that would have been excellent to see. Um, Next book. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, and uh, let's see, old... Because I know some of them were also renamed. Oh, the Tusinoko, uh, the, uh, which is this snake um, that... Uh, that has a taste for alcohol and can bite the end of its tail and roll like a wheel. Um, it's that's actually part. Wait, of, wait a second, James. Did you steal yeah. that from Australia? <laughs> so that's what I was going to say. Is that's part of uh, that's real world lore. Um, is uh, yeah, these that's things? A I think they yeah originally started in uh, Japan and Australia and sort of over there on the in the Pacific Ocean, as it were, uh, <laughs> with all of you over there. So I did steal yeah. it from Australia. Thank you for that's the kind okay. export. <laughs> it's it's probably one of the better things we export. We certainly don't export useful politicians. Um, <laughs> well, we we have nothing to <laughs> stand yeah. on over here in America Let, as far as yes. that goes either. Let, let's uh, run away from that. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, James, can I ask, um, now at the moment one of your other projects is you are doing a, I, I, I think it was called Monster Manual with your dad or some such? Yes, yeah, my dad's Monster Manual. Um, so, uh, yeah, that is a project where... I am taking just the art of the monsters from the monster manual and I'm showing them to my dad and asking him 
what does he think they are? Like, what, what do you think this creature is named? What's its background? Where does it come from? What does it want? What sort of abilities does it have? Um, because my father is... Uh, he's a storyteller and he likes a lot of fantasy. He reads Lord of the Rings and um, he likes Stephen King and that kind of thing. But he's never really played D&D. We played one session, uh, but we didn't really get that far. So uh, so it's great to see what he thinks beholders and mind flares and, uh, you know, Glabrazu demons and stuff like that are. Uh, so, yeah, so I am working on that with him right now and that will come out on in the DMs guild at some point. So we're working our way through uh, probably about 90 ish monsters uh, because there are things he knows, right? Like he looks at a werewolf and he knows what that is. Uh, he looks at a vampire or a mummy and he knows what that is. So a lot of those things are cut out that he would just know. And then I'm also finding some of them he's guessing correctly what they are. And then the weirdest thing that's happening is sometimes he's nailing the lore for a different monster, but for someone else's picture. So like when I showed him the bugbear, um, sure. he said, uh, oh, this is a, a creature that can shape shift kind of uh, they're descended from lycanthropes. And, you know, when they shift they can uh they get these extra powers but they don't shape shift completely and he basically described shifters from the world of eberron uh with a different name right and so it was okay. like oh well i'm not gonna i don't want to do that either because that is already a story someone has told and i would just end up recreating the shifter stat block uh with bugbear art right um and so uh so yeah so uh it's probably going to be between 90 and 100 creatures when all is said and done um i've interviewed my dad about 40 of them now uh and uh and i'm slowly working my way through making those into monsters and then we got play test and it's a whole thing before it gets out on i uh, i signed up for the play test and I'll, I'm very, very much looking forward yes. to it that ever comes through. Excellent. So, yeah, um, I should be sending uh, out the first round in February, so it should be great. Oh, cool. Yeah, because yeah, um, I did read on, um, on on your page for that, like your dad was the one who introduced you to Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and whatnot. Yes. Yeah. You know, he is yeah. really responsible for uh, me being a nerd. Him and, him and my mother, and I'm the youngest of three, so my brother and my sister as well. Um, but, uh, but he really, uh, you know, he was not a dad who was into sports or uh, athletic pursuits himself. Um, and so he never really pushed that on us. And certainly if we wanted to, he was, you know, he would go to every game and that kind of thing. Uh, but he uh, he really did love all of this fantastic stuff and was willing to sit on the floor and play action figures with us as kids and everything. So, yeah, he's a, a big reason why I have the interests that I have. That's a great dad. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel I, very I'm, fortunate. I'm a, I, I'm a dad to two boys, and um, oh, already great. one of them, we've read through The Hobbit together. Oh, that nice. took some time, and, and admittedly, I skipped the entire song that the elves sing about coming into the valley, because I'm thinking, I'm not singing that at bedtime. No. <laughs> and the other thing is, if I sing this to a five-year-old, I'm going to be hearing it every damn day, and I don't want that. No, <laughs> I know. He's going to go, and his friends are going to be like, oh, yeah, the elf song. And he'll be like, what, what elf song? I never heard. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Wait, that was in the is... movie's either. Yeah, for good reason. <laughs> it was really annoying. 
Well, it is wonderful uh, that uh, that you uh, one are, are a father in general, um, but two that you're you're able to share all this stuff with your kids. That's really great. I'm uh, that's amazing. Great stuff. Yeah. Um, what what also happened is um, he created his first character, um, which was a, um, a a halfling ranger, and he and I were so excited that he spoke about this character in front of his little brother, who is only four at the moment. <laughs> but for a while, the four year old's bedtime stories were all stories based on his older char- his older brother's first D and D character. So I'm thinking, <laughs> I have succeeded in nerding the family. Well done. (laughs) Yes, my hat is off to you, sir, uh, for uh, for successfully nerding your family, because here's the thing is, you know, you'll have uh, you'll have a solid player group uh, in just a few years when when they're all ready to play. Right. So you'll you'll be able to. You'll have every person's dream, a captive D&D group. (laughs) It's really easy for me to know their schedule. <laughs> you know, right, you're not exactly. going out tonight. It's D and D night, people. Come on, you know that. That's right. You're grounded until you play D and D with me. <laughs> <laughs> no, with the second one, the problem is that's going to reinforce a lot of negative habits because he'll he'll do whatever he can to get grounded in that case. Oh, I see. I see. Yes, <laughs> I would have done that too. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Now, um, we I got a whole bunch of questions. Um. For, from a lot of people on Twitter and, and, and one from Facebook. Um, I, I'm just going to use people's Twitter handles because that's easy for me to kind of remember and, and get back to them so they know what you said. Now, um, Blake, at Blake Ryan Batman. Oh, yes. Name. Yeah, he's um, a fellow Australian. He's oh, great. He? He's great. Yeah, oh, cool. yeah, I've had him on my show. G- great person, great person. Oh, yeah, yeah. lovely. <laughs> Um, which of your homebrew settings would you most like to be picked up by either Critical Role or Cobalt Press? Oh, wow. Um, this is the magical uh, land of James's dad. <laughs> I would love that. I'd love to create some crazy campaign setting with my dad. Um, it would probably be all about, uh, you know, how great uh, he is. Um, <laughs> there's a so I, I've got a couple of campaign settings. I have a blog and my blog is called World Builder Blog. Um, and it's really become about like general RPG stuff uh, over the last ye- couple of years. Um, but it started out as me building homebrew worlds and talking about them. And there is one world I still think of that I would love to make when I have free time, uh, which will be (laughs) at some point. Um, And it's this world called Enora. uh, And the idea of the world is a lich has taken over sort of the surface world. Um, And uh, it's a world of undead, right? Um, And so she has taken over and there's undead walking around everywhere. But a bunch of people survived. uh, And the way they did this was they raised their cities into the sky. So it was all these city states um, that they a bunch of mages got together and raised some of the cities into the sky to avoid this undead plague. And so uh, and then a bunch of other people went underground and sort of sealed themselves into this giant uh, underground complex, right, that's been built by dwarves and gnomes and other subterranean creatures. Uh, And so the idea then is the undead 
because a lot of undead hate the sun, right? Like vampires and um, wraiths and other creatures like that. Uh, they built these giant furnaces that they're just constantly blowing black smoke into the sky. So if you're in the sky cities, there's sort of this ocean of black smog underneath you. So you can't see what's happening on the surface. Or if you're locked in that giant city underground, you don't know what's happening on the surface. So the idea is then uh, retaking um, the the land uh, because everybody's starting to run out of resources and uh, they need land to grow food and uh, find water and do all that kind of stuff. So um, so that's sort of the idea uh, is uh, Enora where people are sort of bound up in the sky or underground uh, and they don't know what's happening to their old world. That, that does sound pretty cool. And I was going to say, um, if you want to experience what that, what that's like, you should have just been in Australia a couple of weeks ago. Cause we had that all over the place. Ooh, yes. Yeah. My, <laughs> my heart goes out to you in Australia because that is uh, crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, and I'm yes. sorry. Uh, no, no, no matter what you do or listeners, uh, do not type into your Google, Google search, the guardian, how much of Australia has burned and whatever you do, do not look at that. Cause it'll give you very sad feelings. Yes, it really uh, I am very sorry about uh, everything that's going on over there. And I wish there was more we could do. Uh, One thing is right, like do all you can to uh, write to especially us here in America, um, write to your your senators and things and try to get them to enact legislation to help with global warming, because uh, we wouldn't have that shit off. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. Now, th- this one I'm going to kind of um, jump around a little bit because it's, a, I think, an interesting question. This one is from at Dark Plane DM, oh. uh, Graham Ward. They say, love your work, James. Uh, about how many projects are you working on at any given time? <laughs> is this a silly question? Because, <laughs> uh, like, looking at this, this is like three projects already that we've spoken of in a very small amount of time. Yeah. So what's interesting, right, is my work on the uh, Tome of Beast 2 and on Wildmount are done, actually. Um, Wildmount has gone to, to press. The text is locked. Uh, and, you know, that those books are being printed as we speak. Um, and uh, Cobalt Press likes to have the text in hand before they go to Kickstarter um, because it means they can deliver faster on their promises. They can have some art made. Granted, there are some creatures that are stretch goals that will be made later, but um, those are all being made by people who are not me. Uh, so uh, so I am working on my dad's monster manual. That's kind of a personal project, which is good in the sense that, like, I have deadlines that I need to hit, but they are self-imposed. So I can always shift those if I need to. Um, And then uh, as far as other projects go, uh, you know, it can be a lot depending on what's happening. Um, I try to keep it to like four. (laughs) Um, Why why do I suspect, James, when you say I try to keep it to that this is a very bendable rule? (laughs) Uh, So what happens is 
Uh, I am not usually always working on solo projects where I have the control over things. Uh, you work with other people. It takes a lot of people to make a book. And sometimes deadlines and things can slide. Uh, and so I, I'm, for instance, I'm in a situation right now where I had a, uh, a project, a, a pretty massive project, um, that I thought was going to start two months ago or two months from now. Uh, and I got the call that like, Hey, we'd actually really love to start next week. Can you still do it? Uh, and I said, yes, uh, because I am able to luckily, uh, that's not always the case. Right. Um, so it's, uh, those kind of things. If I think about what I'm working on right now at the moment, uh, including my dad's monster manual, uh, one, I think I could probably count to like seven or eight um, uh, things. Yeah, that rule's been bent. (laughs) Yeah, so they're all in different stages though, right? Um, uh, As far as things I'm actively writing go, I'm usually only actively writing two, maybe three things at once because something might be an edit and it's going to come back. Uh, Something might be, uh, you know... um, being laid out and then I'm going to look at it when it gets laid out. I might be writing art orders for something. I might be doing marketing stuff for another thing. Uh, I might be waiting for playtest feedback to come back and then I'm going to go back and revise something. Um, so there's a lot of things right now that uh, are in that sort of final stages and I'm just waiting for someone <laughs> to tell me. Uh, so that's where things are right now uh, as far as that goes. Um, no, James, take it back. This is too awesome. You can't have a you can't have a four-headed robot dragon. That's insanity. <laughs> Only three then? Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, right? You might get, this is too complicated to run with four heads or the challenge rating is too high. Can we lose a head? Um, really strange conversations that we have sometimes uh, Uh, in this, uh, which is fun. But then the other thing that happens too is, um, the, uh, scope of a project, right? So sometimes I only have one or two projects, but the, that's because one of the projects I have might be really massive. Um, you know, might be a lot of words and I want to be able to focus on that. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, when I was working on dragon heist, which was the first Watsy thing that I worked on, um, I wanted to make sure that, uh, one, I made a good impression there, so I wanted to have my sole focus there. But then, two, uh, I, my rough draft was, uh, I think, 40,000 words, right, which is a lot of words. Um, so I wanted to make sure I had the time to, like, do that and focus on that for a while. So I only took that on, and I said no to a bunch of other stuff when I did that. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, the, the, these two questions kind of go together. Um, so at Alpha Stream asks uh what is james's uh formula for a new project how does he get all that lore and possibility into a manageable project um (laughs) and jacob who is one of the regulars that i play with every week um he asks when creating how do you frame the project and its scope taking an idea and running with it without throwing every possibility you can think of in is a balancing act I'd be interested in hearing about. And and that sounds, th- those two questions sound somewhat related to me. Yeah. So there's a few things I keep in mind. So I, I am lucky enough to uh, also have a career uh, that 
is in uh, television production. I write and produce television commercials um, and uh, and some science based television TV shows that you would see on like National Geographic uh, or Discovery Channel or that kind of thing. Really fun stuff uh, to to work on. Um, And I don't do that as much now that I'm more in the game design camp. Um, But one of the things that I learned from that uh, is that perfect is the enemy of done right um, yes so oh god that- amen <laughs> yes I, I i work in sales and i've oh, yeah. started taking on other projects and it's like i have to hit that point where I'm like no it's done just mm-hmm. <laughs> walk away Right, exactly, because you could work on it forever and then it will never see the light of day, right? Because you'll you'll never be 100% happy with it uh, all the time, with every single project, every single time. Um, so that is, is one thing that I keep in mind that like I would like these projects – it is more important to me that these projects see the light of day and certainly I want them to be good, but – I need to make sure that they get out there. Right. Um, and so uh, that's my my mentality through the whole thing. And then I also set a schedule. I will build myself a schedule uh, and I work from the back. You know, I say, OK, I want this to happen. I would like this project to launch on this day or a publisher gives me a due date for a manuscript or whatever it is. And then I'll say, OK, you know, this is when this needs to be done. Uh, it's. Uh, if it's a contract with a publisher, I know how many words I'm going to write, right? If it's something for me, I will sketch out a good outline and say, this is how many words I think it's going to be. And I'll say, then I need to write, you know, from there, it's simple math, X number of words per day to hit the rough draft deadline. And then I'm going to need, you know, two weeks to play test. And then I'm going to, so setting your deadline, working backwards from that or working forwards to meet that is really the way to go. And then also being willing and uh, trying working in game design for even one project will probably keep teach you this being really willing to cut stuff that isn't working or to say this is a great idea but it's not right for this project or it's uh, i you know i'll save all these words for the next thing i think is a totally good skill to learn um because, uh, you know, people say kill your darlings. Right. Uh, yes, and I, I've, I've the reason. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think that that's always true. But there are times where if you're getting caught up in something uh, and it's like, oh, I'm having a real hard time designing this five headed clockwork dragon. Well, it's three. <laughs> three is still pretty cool. Right. Three is yeah. three is good. So like, you know, uh, learning from those uh, moments and saying, OK, you know what? Five-headed is for another project. That'll come out later. Uh, that'll be a secret thing I send just to Josh. Uh, you know, whatever it may be. Um, uh, those those are the ways. I, that I just I, want I to watch that. Josh's heart explode. That'll be fun. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Hopefully, he's filming it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> James um, Intercaso kills a man. Kills a man with joy. exactly exactly so yeah that's the those are the big things is um you know you got to be okay with being imperfect basically and you got to be okay Mm -hmm. with uh sometimes letting go of the thing you really want uh to to get the project out there knowing that like 
this is always my thing is like, well, not for this project, right? There, sure. You might be able to get that killer, you know, lightning bore into another project or whatever it is. So, yeah. I, I don't know why anyone would not want to kill a lightning bore in their campaign because that also <laughs> sounds pretty cool. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Now, um, I, I did also – I've got a couple of other questions, but I kind of wanted to break up my theme there because, um, as we said, you were one of the uh, designers for um, The Wild Amount, and I saw your tweet saying that Matt Mercer was just an absolute oh, wonderful yeah. person to work with. Mm-hmm. What was the process of you becoming involved with that project, and how did that all go down? Oh, so this is great. I just – right before this had a uh, – a- podcast uh, with Matt Mercer, um, where we, we talked about this process. Um, so I know what happened before I was brought on, uh, <laughs> cause I just learned it. Um, that Matt, essentially Matt saw that robot dragon, he thought, wait a minute, I need that man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, um, he was brought on to, uh, you know, he wizards asked him if he wanted to write a book and he said, yes. And then they gave him deadlines and he thought, Oh, I'm going to need some help. Um, and so he reached out to James Hake, uh, a guy who he wrote the Taldoray campaign guide with, um, which, uh, green Ronin put out. Um, and James and I have worked together on a bunch of different things. Uh, people call us the Jameses, uh, because we've worked together on so many things. Um, and uh, and Matt said, like, I'm looking for somebody else who can do this really fast. Uh, do you know anybody? And uh, I James was like, well, I think you have you ever heard of this guy? And Matt was like, oh, yeah, I have. Uh, so that's how I was brought on board. Um, and the process was great. Uh, so Matt um, was extremely generous uh, with his world and with his time. Uh, we met once a week and had like a good hour plus long meeting where we would talk about where we were with stuff and what need to get done and pitch ideas and that kind of thing. And Matt also said, uh, so Matt had a fair amount of writing done of the book. And he said, these are some, you know, here are a bunch of places in the book that I, I know vaguely what's going on. I know broad strokes of what's happening. Um, but Uh, I need this is where I need help. And so it was me and James and another guy named Chris Lockie uh, who works for Critical Role. And we took that on. uh, And Hannah Rose uh, was editing our work the whole time. And then everything went over to Watsi with another team and that kind of thing. But it was, uh, you know, like Matt let us pitch some crazy stuff. Um, So uh, at one point, there is a thing in the book um, where like, you know, we're giving the settlements of populations. Uh, I will say one settlement is a hundred percent Yeti. Um, uh, and like, that was a crazy idea that we were allowed to push through, you know, cause Matt was like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Sounds fun. So there's a lot of crazy stuff uh, like that. That's in the book because he said, you know, if you can sort of justify it and and we talk about it and it makes sense, let's go for it. Um, so, yeah, so I have a lot of adventure information in that book, um, a couple of magic items, monsters, things like that, spells. Yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> if, if, if you'll forgive me, it does sound like um, – have you heard of the game Microscope? Yes, yes, absolutely. It sounds like you, you, you're just professionally – like you know, you're just being paid to play Microscope at a professional level. 
that is what a lot of <laughs> this book and working on campaign settings absolutely was. Yeah. And, it, it you know, it was to Matt's credit, to Wizards of the Coast's credit, um, uh, like them being open to ideas. Right. Because Matt, it's Matt's world. He could have easily said that's a ludicrous idea and uh, and it doesn't belong here. And, you know, he never said anything like that. Even if he disagreed with an idea, he would say, Oh, you know what? I'm not sure that would work. Here's why. But what if we twisted that way idea and did this, right? Mm. Um, so it was very collaborative. That, that does sound like it's a very, very good way to run a project. Like I'm at, at work. At, okay. All the stuff I create, I essentially do by myself because I'm an idiot and I haven't learned how to play with others. Um, mm-hmm. And also like for, for me, it's, it's a weird thing where also my creative process is – have a cup of very, very, very strong tea, and then whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I love it. Well, what about you? How do you get started for a night of writing? Or is it just wherever you are, you get an idea, you immediately jot it down? What's your, what's your go-to? Yeah, so I, uh, I do – cell phones are great in that they have a notepad app, right? Like I feel like mm-hmm. when we were kids – Growing up, writers would always say like, well, you got to keep a notebook with you and a pen so you write down ideas when they come. And now that's like a hard thing to do, uh, lug around a notebook, right? Um, But now with cell phones, it's super easy. And I do actually do that, get to write down ideas as I have them. Um, I also, this is is just a pro tip. Uh, I also write down for for my wife when she says she wants something, I write it down in this document I have for presents for her. So then when birthdays and stuff come around, I open up that list and I'm like, oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. So Damn. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's just a, a pro tip for all of you in romantic relationships out there. Yes. Um, <laughs> Give me a uh, second. That frantic <laughs> typing right now is, is certainly not Josh opening another Google document called Stuff for Natalie when she says she wants something. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um and then, uh, although sometimes it can backfire because it's like, well, I, I said I wanted that, you know, th- six months ago. I don't want it now. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you still want a cup of coffee here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so so that's how I, I do it kind of on the fly. And then for me, I really do sit down and start writing. Uh, I've never, luckily so far, never had like a big bout of writer's block. Um and I usually outline, like I usually have a plan of, of where I'm going, um, which is great. I, I often do it right in the document that I am uh, writing in. So if I get an idea uh, for something later on, like, oh, I got to remember this, I'll just hit the enter key a bunch of times and then write, you know, the hags explode or, uh, you know, the <laughs> elephant shows up here, whatever it is. Um, so that I remember that I had that idea. So like the document itself kind of acts as an outline. And I usually, um, I'm a very, I know a lot of writers like, like to skip around or whatever. I'm kind of a start to finish person. Uh, like I, if I was going to write an adventure, I would start with, the introduction and then chapter one and go through to the end and then write the appendices and that kind of thing. Um, that's just generally how I, I like to work because I think it, it forms. And then I will always, uh, in the same respect, like if I have something that needs to change, uh, when I'm on chapter 13, chapter 10 needs to change now. Cause I got a new idea. I'll 
hit the enter key a bunch of times, write, you know, chapter 10, revise this uh, so that I will remember to get there when I'm done doing work. So, yeah, that's basically my uh, uninspired process, I guess. (laughs) That that actually sounds like pretty gosh darn solid. Like I'm, I mean, my, my creative process is Okay, I've got an idea for a thing. Okay, mm. what are the five or six terrible jokes I can work into this thing, and how can I lead up to these? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, which line very no, which, important. Which pun, no, which pun no longer works? This one. Can I make? No. Oh, uh, well, just write it down for later, Josh. You'll, you'll get there. Trust me. It's true. But, I mean, it's the same way uh, It's the same way I prepare for a, a D&D home game, right? Um, I probably don't use nearly as much detail as I do, but I might be writing out bullet points, and it's usually from start to finish, and I'll say, here's a funny thing that I really want to happen, <laughs> and we're going to make this funny thing happen no matter what. <laughs> Excellent. Um, how many games are you playing in, at any one time? Uh, so, right now, I play a fair amount of games Uh, i try to play test a lot of my stuff um that's a it just makes a huge difference uh if you play test uh if you can get other people to play test and you can take the heat uh that's also good (laughs) um uh but uh so let's think i think my wife and i counted out the other day uh and i think i am involved in uh eight different groups now they're not all weekly obviously um because that would be crazy so i have two bi-weekly games and then i think the other six are about monthly um they they kind of happen here and there because they're with people who are uh busy um so i would Honestly, uh, I love that I would, you say that, that's with people who are busy. It's like, and you're not James. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I am a, I am fairly busy, but I don't, uh, I don't have any children. Um, so, which is like having a second job. You know, you know, you're the father of, of two children. Uh, that yes. is a, a lot of time uh, that is spent making sure two humans don't destroy themselves um so uh and and you know turn out to be not hideous monsters so Uh, james in in in, in the case of the second one it's not himself i protect him from it's the rest of the world (laughs) that that kid honestly if i had to say which one's going to be the gifted academic and which one's going to be well might end up running some kind of criminal enterprise (laughs) number two is definitely (laughs) on that one Hey, listen, you can go very far. You can be president uh, with that. Uh, so, and, and and if that boy ever hears this, I'm proud of you. I love you so much. You're such a wonderful golden-haired little man. <laughs> just, just, just in case. Sure. Just covering, covering the future it, therapy bills. It, it, well, yeah, just, just trying to get ahead of it however I can, really. Um, <laughs> excellent. Now, um, James, th- there are couple more questions that I wanted to try and get to. Uh, oh, sure. One is um, from uh, Sean Shannon, who is at Thanesis, and I apologize for my pronunciation. Mm. Um, what is the best way to get attention to your work and have people critique it? Oh, that is a great question. Um, so the RPG community is great about providing feedback for things you post publicly. (laughs) Uh, Some might say too great. Um, So there are places, uh, when I was first starting with my blog, uh, 
there were a couple places I would post. Certainly Twitter, um, but Twitter you kind of need the following of of people to to give you the shout out. Certainly, mm. um, uh, but uh, posting in Facebook groups, uh, if you're part of Dungeons and Dragons, uh, like if if what you're publishing is Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons stuff, um, the Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition Facebook group uh, is more than happy to provide feedback, um, and you can also post stuff for people to look at. Just make sure it's in the proper forum. Uh, Giant in the Playground Games has a great forum for that. En World has forums for that. Uh, RPG.net has forums for that. Um, so those are good places to go uh, to to get opinions is social media uh, and saying like, hey, I just, you know, I'd love another pair of eyes on this. Um, if what you're creating is a tabletop role playing game, there's tabletop role playing creator communities on Facebook and, and that kind of thing. Um, and if it's for the Dungeon Masters Guild specifically, there's many DMs Guild communities where people are constantly like they, they're creator communities where that's pretty much what they're for is for giving feedback and stuff. So um, and I think there's even discord communities now uh, where, you know, when I was getting started, discord was not as big as it is now um, where you could also post stuff for for feedback. So you'll find people are super willing to give it my piece of advice would be like remember that that is one person's opinion and try to get a couple different opinions if you can or the opinion of someone you trust who you know has the same taste as you um there are people who uh will look at things uh, like my dad's monster manual and say like oh this is just not for me and that's okay you know role-playing games are uh, a matter of taste and uh, subjective just like everything else um so uh, try to hit the people who you know, your product is four, I would say. <laughs> that makes sense. And, um, and I guess kind of an addendum to that question is like, how would someone get started in doing what you do professionally? Oh, yeah. Um, that is a great Cause question. Because I suspect that's what they're leading to. <laughs> that is a great question. And one that, uh, you know, I sort of stumbled into. I, I blogged and I podcast for like three years. Um, and I wasn't sure a hundred percent, like I, I enjoyed doing it, but I was kind of at a point where I was like, what am I doing and where am I going? And then people, uh, had started to ask me because of the work that on my blog, um, you know, did I want to write for adventurers league? Did I want to do X, Y, or Z? And I said, yes, because it seemed like great fun. Um, so I'm lucky in that I sort of stumbled into it. I think the best thing you can do is create, right? Um, that's the best way you're going to hone your skills is to make stuff. And if you start sharing your stuff, uh, people will say, oh, look at this. This is great. Hey, you're interacting with the community then, too, which uh, I think is this day and age a, a very important part of uh, getting out there. It's networking. It's getting to know people. And it's just fun. You're talking about games like that's you would probably do it anyway, uh, because <laughs> talking about games with people who like games is really fun. Right. It um, is. Yeah, this, so, this is one of the best lunch times I've had all week. So yeah. Oh, good, good. I'm <laughs> glad to hear it. So yeah, getting getting your stuff out there and talking to people about it is a great way. And you know, uh, have a have a way for people to see your work. Be it a blog, uh, be it you know, if you want to start with like posting stuff on the Dungeon Masters Guild, uh, then th throw a f couple free copies around and talk to people. Um, you know, the best way to get recognized is to be your 
biggest fan and biggest champion, which can be hard uh, because, you know, uh, a lot of people secretly think all their work is trash and have imposter syndrome and all that kind of stuff. We all have that uh, to some degree. Well, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I know so, yeah. that feeling. Get out okay, there and um, share your work. <laughs> Now, um, the, 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 the last thing I always like to um, ask people about, and this is, the, there's a related question, and I suspect these two things kind of go uh, in between. Now, you said you've, you've, you've put a hell of a lot of books out. Mm-hmm. How many items do you have on the DMs Guild? Uh, I just checked. I think it's third. I think thirty nine are okay. related to me uh, in some way, right? Um, so I, I was not necessarily the lead designer, but I've contributed to them in some way, okay. uh, and many I've I've been the lead designer for. Yeah, Actually, that that is a that is certainly a fine. That's a really fine body of work. And um, speaking of fine bodies of work, you're also a proponent I've seen of the hashtag D and D fitness. <laughs> yes, which I suppose yes. we'd say a fine work of body. Um, <laughs> and uh, D- Davy, this is a question from Davy Oil. He asks, "How do you stay so friendly, enthusiastic?" My question would be, "What do you do to keep yourself healthy, mentally and physically? Like, what, what what's your way of making sure James is okay?" Sure. Yeah. Well. Um I do. uh, You'll hear a lot of game designers talk about like the lack of sleep they get and stuff. I am pretty good about sleeping. Like I said, I'm fortunate enough that I do a lot of this uh, as a day job, which means often at night, not all the time, but but often I'm not working Uh, often on the weekends. I'm not working. Um, So I that affords me some time uh, to, uh, you know, to sit down and relax, uh, watch the latest season of The Expanse or uh, hang out with my wife and my dog, um, play games with friends. I that is the biggest thing. If uh, if my design work ever gets to the point where I can't play games on a regular basis because I'm too busy designing, well, then I've lost the point for me um, because I love playing so much. And and uh, so that's the big thing is I, I want to play as much as I design. So I try to make that a priority because playing is important if you're a designer too. Um, and then uh, I combine exercise with other things. Um, so I hate to exercise if I am being honest uh, so I try to make it as easy on myself as possible and the way I do that is I uh, I exercise on a machine um, so uh, I have an uh, I, we have two machines now my wife and I just bought an elliptical yay uh, but we also have an old stairmaster a stairmaster that is like older than I am uh, and uh, that makes it easy because I don't have to go anywhere I don't have to leave the house right um, and then I will either read while I am doing those things, um, like a role-playing game product most of the time. Uh, so that, then it's <laughs> so, also So that's work. just like research. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. You just multitask it. That's beautiful. It, yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, I'd love to design for this system or I'd love to run this system, right? So I'm reading mm-hmm. that. Uh, or... Uh, I will, uh, you know, like watch an episode of TV on an iPad or uh, listen to a podcast or something like that uh, while I'm doing it, because I think that is also uh, really important to stay fit, especially for, you know, people who have desk jobs like me uh, and I'm sitting at the desk all the time. So uh, so that's a big thing. And then I also I take 
breaks. Uh, I got the dog, uh, so I like to take the dog out for a walk, take a break, clear my head, get a little more exercise, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So um, I think those are ways to, to stay healthy. And also remember, like, if you're spending all your time with D&D, it's going to get hard to design stuff because that's all you're going to know, right? So, like, mm-hmm. go do other things. Experience the world in other ways, and then you'll bring that back to your game. So, uh, you know, people, I think, get into this workaholic attitude and i can do it too um and so i try to remember that like hey everything's work when you're a game designer because anything could lead to a cool idea um so you're always working even when you're not working and that helps me relax (laughs) excellent and and the friendly and enthusiastic all the time because uh i like just interviewing you it's it's clear like this man has some pretty good spark in there (laughs) yeah i uh i don't know that everyone would say that about me (laughs) uh certainly but um i try to uh you know, I, like I said, I feel extremely fortunate uh, to have a lot of the privilege that I do and the, the opportunities that I do and that kind of thing. Um, and like at the end of the day, we're talking about games, right? This is fun. Uh, this is supposed to be a good time. And so uh, even if we disagree, right, you might like, I don't know, Call of Cthulhu 7th edition. And I might like Call of Cthulhu 1st edition. Uh, that's nothing to get into a flame war over, right? There's there's much bigger issues at stake and when I think about certain things you know we talked about the the fires in Australia earlier and I'm sure it's even more personal for you than it is affecting for me right given given that it's your home um, yeah, a little bit you know where I think about uh, a, a lot of things that are happening in the world and certainly those things make me upset uh, and give me negative feelings and I will even share those and talk about those online for sure um, but I, for the most part like this is a community about making cool things, about playing things and experiencing great stories together as humans where we get to be the heroes. Right. Um, and uh, I just that excites me to no end. Uh, and I want other people to be excited about it as well. And so when I meet someone like you who is equally excited, Josh, and equally positive and wants to have a good time and laugh, um, it makes me so happy and i uh i think that's what it's all about right so that's good brilliant um thank you uh unfortunately that is where i have to finish up um i I do have to make a living doing what i do which is okay because i quite enjoy it um yes james where, where can people where should people find you online Oh, yeah. So I'm uh, on Twitter at James Intracasso, I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O, and also my blog, worldbuilderblog.com, and don't split the podcastnetwork.com. I should work on getting shorter URLs, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I, I, I will say I loved when I was, um, I was listening to one of your discussions. I think it was with um, I Am Bad With Names, the lady from the Broadswords. Oh, yes, Victoria. Yes, Victoria yes, Rogers. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I had the last name right, but I didn't have the first name right. Um, and when you, I think you come on with a voiceover saying, welcome to DSPN, my brain's like, eh, good one, James. That's, uh, that's nice. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That's some yeah, quality yeah. branding. Excellent. And, um, excellent. So people can track you down at James Intracasso. You've got your, um, your World Builder blog. If they look up James Intracasso on the DMs Guild, I imagine they'll find all 39 of the products they're involved with. 
Yes, yeah, and everything is linked there uh, uh, on on World Builder blog. Links to all the products that I've written and stuff like that are, are up there. So yeah, and uh, JamesIntercasso.com now also has my game design work as well as my video work. If you want to see any commercials I've made, uh, so I, that's that. I will look it up. There's I'll, a song about sharks that uh, I wrote uh, that is on there. So <laughs> you it's can not check the one about the, the the small neonatal sharks, shall we say? No, no, it is not. Jolly good. <laughs> Excellent. And um, I, 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 I'm, I am Josh. I can be found at Nerdy People D D. No ampersand. Uh, please check out the 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 two campaigns I'm running, both the silly Curse of Stride as a Railway Baron and the Margrave, because we're having a lot of fun doing it. Um, James, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for having me, Josh. I really appreciate it. And uh, I am definitely going to check out your Curse of Stride game. Come on. That sounds great, people. Get on board. I'm not terrified. Thank you. (laughs) Excellent. Thank you.